Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This service is the church anniversary celebrating 85 years of Bethel Free Baptist Church and 26 years of Pastor Larry T. Curtis and family. This is the evening service of Sunday the 6th of November 2016, entitled Testimony of the Lord, and the Bible reading is taken from Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 to 24. Here's Brother Chris Bluto. It is a blessing to be here, and thanks again for allowing us to come. Um, how many of you want to take a nap? Don't lie, I know. That's what the, the afternoon speaker always has to battle with. But I'd like to, like to talk to you tonight, or this, this afternoon, I guess it's almost tonight, about a memorial service in Christian life. And uh, as we think about it, that's exactly what Bethel is. It's a memorial to what has happened through the years here at Bethel, from the beginning as a, as a tent. I, I, like I said, I didn't know that until today. But uh, all the things that have happened through the ages. And I went online and I tried to find out information about, I, Brother Larry shared more than I, I knew, about how Bethel had been used here in this area. And I could find absolutely nothing, just that it was when it started, basically. But if you will, turn with me to Joshua chapter number 4. Joshua chapter number 4. I'm going to read this chapter. And it, and it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take, ye, take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, Ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place for thou, where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass not over before the ark, I'm sorry, pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder. So it wasn't a little pebble. It wasn't, wasn't a stone that you could hold in your hand or even in two hands. It was, my wife reminded me of it this morning. She was coming out of Larry's and she had a, I had a big box of meat that I was carrying and Meg had a box and she had it up on her shoulder and she was carrying it along. He says, take a rock, a boulder, and set it up on your shoulder and carry it. And that's what he says. A stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, 
in the place where the feet of the priest, which were which bear the, the ark of the covenant, stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua, and the people haste and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over that the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priest in the presence of the people. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. About 40,000 prepared for war, passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in, in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests to bear the ark of the, of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over its, all its banks as it did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. And God add his richest blessings to the reading of his word. So here we, because of their unbelief, Israel was sentenced to wander the wilderness for 40 years, and we know all these happened. Joshua has taken the mantle. Um, Moses did not cross. Um, those years now expired, and the children of Israel are poised and ready to enter into the land of Canaan, the promised land. Um, they're ready to, to claim their inheritance, the land that God had promised them. However, before they, they can enter into Canaan, they must get past one final major obstacle, and that's the River Jordan. Now, we were talking to Nathan last night, and he's planning a trip to, to Israel. Um, I said, what do you say, it takes 50 people or 52 people with him? But uh, when Meg and I went to Israel in 1993 when Amber was born, um, we saw the Jordan, and it 
Where we went to the Jordan, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't big, it wasn't fast, it was just slow moving. We saw some people get baptized there. But uh, it's, it's different here, okay? Normally, it would not have presented a big problem for them to cross the river. They'd got their feet wet. But uh, now, ordinarily, where they crossed, it was only about 100 feet wide at Gilgal, um, where they crossed. However, it seems that God doesn't do things small. Um, he does them in such a way that no man can boast that they had done something or that they had accomplished it. And the crossing would have been, wouldn't have been such a, an, a hard task, but except this time of year when they, they were crossing it. You see, God brought the Jordan. They brought him down to the Jordan at the time of harvest. And at the time of harvest, um, the Jordan swells at this particular place to an impassable width of over a mile. Um, that's 50 times wider than it normally is. And it would have been impossible for them to cross it on their own. So there's no way they were going to cross it on their own. They needed some help. They needed supernatural help. And as we just read, God had already let them cross the, the Red Sea, and he allows them to cross the Jordan here. But we see here a memorial commanded by God. God is the one that commands Joshua to put the stones, um, to gather the stones to put them at Gilgal. When all the people had passed over the Jordan, they took up the stones, and then they, they went to where they were going to lodge that night, one man from each of the 12 tribes, to cross the Jordan. They grabbed these stones from the midst of the Jordan and carried them. You think about the size of these stones. They were no small stone. It would not have been a small feat to carry them to Gilgal. I wonder just how many times they had to put them down. Amen. They would have been hefty stones. But the 12 stones picked up from the riverbed became a memorial to God's faithfulness, something they could look at and remember and remind themselves what God accomplished for them. They were set up at Gilgal, which is where they would stop for the night. It's about eight-mile walk, so it wasn't even a small walk. They had to walk eight miles to get there, and that was about a mile and a quarter from where Jericho was, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this, is, this would be their first campsite. Um, the 12 stones placed in the middle of the riverbed was commemorate, to commemorate the place um, where God had dried up the land. And it would not be seen. Joshua did this. He piled the stones up there, and it was for him to know. It was an invisible sign, an invisible memorial as to what had happened on that day. Um, this is where the, the ark had been held. Um, where he showed the miracle of God's mighty presence and his wonderful care for the children of Israel. To pass, this, to pass on this testimony of God's loving care and his provision. It says in Psalm 78, 6, it says that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their father, God, to their children. Twelve stones. Twelve stones gave them a visible reminder at Gilgal. It gave them immediate reminder of the long suffering of the Heavenly Father. The first place they came to camp is where they dropped it. And that's what it says. The children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded. They took up the twelve stones and out of the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of tribes of the children, and carried them over with them, to the place where they lodged and laid that night. So they built, 
this memorial when they got to Gilgal. It was a sign to the, the children of the future. This was to be a sign to remind them and to tell them. We see a lot. We saw earlier today about reminding children or telling children and uh, ministering to children. Here we see a sign to children for the future. Children always ask those questions. You know, what are the rocks for, Dad? And Dad would tell them what the rocks were for. And this would be a sign among you that when the children ask their fathers in time to come, what mean these by these stones? And ye shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these same stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel. A memorial of what God had accomplished. It's a sign that keeps coming around. The word Gilgal, which is where the, the rocks would put up, meant wheel. Coming around and around and around. What do we do every year when we come to this day or around this day? We have a, an anniversary. We remember the things that have gone on in the past. We remember well where Bethel has come from, the place that it came from, a tent that was on this site. I think that's a tremendous story, a tremendous heritage, a tremendous testimony of the people that began the work here. And that's what these stones would have been. Gilgal meaning wheel that keeps coming around, and they would remember. And when the children asked, they would be able to tell them. And they would be reminded by God's word to tell them what had happened in that place. A mental reminder, if you will. And Joshua, he set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan that people weren't even going to be able to see, but they knew that they were there. It was something they could think about, something they could consider the memorial that's in the middle of the Jordan River. A memorial to think about. And this memorial couldn't be seen, but it could be remembered. Only to be pondered on. A place for them to look to. These memorials that God has done a mighty work in their life, in, in the life of the Israelite children. Um, remember the miracle of the crossing. This was what they would look at. This is what they would remember when they looked at it. They would remember the overflowing river. All the kids that came by, everybody that came by, they saw what the river was before they got there. And God dried it up. I love the fact that before their feet even touched the water, God took care of it. They never touched the water. They stood or they stepped into dry land. God just held it up. And you say, how did he do that? I don't know. I don't know. I just believe that he did because that's what the Word of God tells us. The rushing torrent was impassable. It was scary. <coughs> in Arizona and in other places, I'm sure, but they have what they call washes. And these are like dry riverbeds. In certain times of the year, they can have flash floods. You don't know they're coming, but all of a sudden, they're there. And they're very scary. And if you're in the middle of one of these washes when that happens, it's really scary. And it's scary to think of all the people that tried driving through them, the people that have died doing that. But this, it, so it was, a, it was a scary thing. Here's this mile-wide, roaring torrent of a river. And it dried up as they crossed on dry land. Their feet didn't get wet. It was dry. And these are some of the things that they remembered. The crossing on dry land. Their soles of their feet never got wet. They continued. Then they, they would remember the miracle of the first conquest. They're preparing now to go against Jericho. 
And this was their first battle in the promised land. They were parked, or parked a mile and a half away, okay, or a mile and a quarter. And they've already sent spies in, and these spies ran into Rahab, and she knew that the Lord had, had given the Israelites the land. But it wasn't just her. All of the people in Jericho knew what God had been doing for the children of Israel the past 40 years. They had seen their testimony. They had seen them coming. And they're feeling pretty safe. Look at the river. They'll never cross that. And yet, they crossed on dry land. And they went across. And the people in Jericho were terrified. They, they knew that God was, was bringing the children of Israel to them. They knew what they had been doing. The awesome works of God had been visible. They had been told. The hearts of the people were melted. These strong, brave men were, were quaking in their shoes. Their sandals. They didn't have shoes. So they're quaking in their sandals. They know what's coming. The courage, their courage faded away from all the men, it says in verse 11 of chapter 2. Rahab, though, put her faith in God. And the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan really set the stage for the conquest that is to come. And we see a memorial commemorated and celebrated in God's Word. A reminder of pos for posterity. In Joshua 4.21 it says, And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? They're going to ask, What are these stones, Dad? And he said that they, they had an answer to give them, a reminder to the children, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest to bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down above, and they shall stand upon a heap. They shall stand upon dry land. This was the miracle that God allowed them to see. This was the miracle that they were allowed to experience. And this is what they were to remember. And this is what they were tell, to tell their children. Then we see a memorial consecrated by men. I think of Bethel as a memorial, a testimonial, a testimony, if you will, of what people that have gone on before you did. Your children very well could ask, what are these stones? A cornerstone is laid in the foundation. It says in 1 Peter chapter number 1, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2, 5 and 6, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. A cornerstone, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. When they laid the tent, they didn't have a cornerstone. But when they decided to build from the work that they had started, from all the people that had been saved, they purchased the land, they Submitted for council approval, I'm sure. Not. But, but they, they set a stage, and they set the land. They dug it out, and they put a cornerstone. Where's the cornerstone, Brother Larry? Don't know. There is a cornerstone. 
because there's a first stone that has to be laid upon which every stone from that stone is laid so that it'll be square. So it will have a firm foundation so that the foundation will be true. You have leaks. Yes, but your foundation, sure. Yeah, your foundation is sure. The foundation that was laid at that time. What mean these stones? These stones built one upon another that builds this, this place. What does this place mean? This place built with stones. Bethel has been built one stone upon another. And as I was thinking about this, and maybe I'm being a little funny or not, but this church is built on the stones, if you will. The stone of doctrine. For 2 Peter 3 and 2 says, That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us the apostles and the Lord and Savior. Acts chapter number 2, what were they sound in? They were sound in the doctrine. The stone of doctrine is a stone that is set in Bethel. The doctrine has been sound. The doctrine has been continued. They have remembered. They have been mindful of the words of God. They've been mindful of the words of the prophets. They've been mindful of the commandments of the apostles and the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have built the work of Bethel upon that stone of doctrine. Then there's the stone of service. All those that have come before you, if it's like most of the the churches that were built in Wales, they were built by the members of the church. Is that the case here, or do you know? It was built by the members. And many times they would come during their, they would come after work, or they would come before work, and they would, they would have somebody that was a professional working with it. And all the labor that is brought in, just as Brother Larry did, all the work that had to be done here, there was somebody that knew what they were doing, I guess that was Larry. And then there was a bunch of helpers. There were a bunch of there were a bunch of servants that came along and picked up the stones and picked up the rubble and picked up the, the benches. They picked up stuff outside that threw sand in a a mixer, threw cement in a mixer. All those things that were done were done by God's children, God's people, and they were doing service for the Lord. They weren't paid for it. We did get food. We usually got sandwiches for lunch and sandwiches for dinner, and we got sent on our way. Sometimes we got to spend the night. We'd go over and play football. with the, Actually, I watched. I didn't play much football. But they were serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They were doing what they could when they could. Um, we, there, were three, there were three main churches that came. I don't know if there were other churches or not, but they would have young men, single guys that would come along, they were the ones that had the muscles, and we let them muscle it. But I remember, I remember sanding these some of the, the banisters and stuff, and how intricate it was, and how fiddly it was, and we, we just did the work because it needed to be done. And look what, look what the fruit was from the, the labors of all those people that came. And it wasn't just one weekend. How many years did it take? It was a long, long process. And people were coming up throughout the, throughout the years to help. It was a time of service. So a stone of, a stone of doctrine, a stone of service, if you will, says, but 
Take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to cleave unto him, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. What do we see here? We see that those that came and helped, that was Joshua 22.5, but those that came to help, look, they, they loved the Lord. They wanted to serve the Lord. They wanted to do something for the Lord. If they weren't here at Birmingham, they might have been handing tracts out around Chicksands or around Alkenbury or around New Testament. But they want to serve the Lord. They want to be a part of God's work. And that's exactly what was happening here is the people wanted to be a part of God's work. So they built Bethel, God's house. How many have come on before you? How many servants were here before you? that served the Lord in similar ways. The crusades that went on, the different things that went on, the people that were one to Christ, those of soul winning isn't a new isn't a new thing. We had soul winners like Charles Haddon Spurgeon. We talked about D.L. Moody this morning. We had soul winners that that were just ordinary people. You know, like the Edward that I spoke of this morning. He was just an ordinary person who had a Sunday school class, and he wanted to see that Sunday school class grow. I didn't tell you about what happened after D.L. Moody became a Christian. He started being more faithful to the, the church that he was going to, and he, he said he wanted to, to teach Sunday school. You know what they told him? They said no. They said if you want to teach a Sunday school class, go out and get yourself a Sunday school class, and then you can teach a Sunday school class. So he did. So he started bringing the bus kids in, if you will. He brought the kids off the corners. He brought the kids out of the sides of the, the alleys, and, and they, they were smelly. They weren't clean. They were children who needed to have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they came in, and he had a Sunday school class, and they didn't like it because they were bringing all the kids in off the street to build his Sunday school class. But he had a huge Sunday school class. But he wanted to serve the Lord. He wanted to do what God had called him to do. And that was to serve him. That was to teach these children that they might come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Then there's the, the soul or the, the stone of giving. You know, when I began tithing, I didn't know about tithing. The church that I went to, it was a Southern Baptist church, and they didn't teach on tithing. And I don't remember mentioning tithing. We went to a, a Thanksgiving service, and there was this old old man, Brother Bill's all I knew him by, old man. <laughs> I, maybe he was older than me, I don't know. But then he was an old man. Um, but he, gave, he stood up and gave a testimony about how he had been saved at the age of nine, and how his pastor had been talking to him, and he said, you know, now you need to start tithing. He said, what's that? And he said, that's where you give 10% of what you make back to God. And he said, what? He said, yes, you have to give 10% back to the Lord. He gives you all this money. Of course, it wasn't much money that he was making. But he said, then you have to give 10% back to the Lord. He said, I began tithing. He said, I didn't make more than a quarter a week or, or very much. And of course, that was way back when. That was a lot of money maybe to him. But he, he gave his, his 10% to God. And he talked about how he'd, his, he'd been successful in his, in his adult life and 
how he had always tithed, and he'd never questioned that because he had been taught at a young age that he needs to give back to God. And I, I took that to heart, and I, I went home, and I studied about it because I didn't know. Now, I guess I wasn't much of a Christian because Meg and I were moving away to, to England, and I said, Honey, as soon as we get to England, we're going to start tithing. But we did. We went to Chick Sands Baptist Church, and we started there, and we started tithing. And then our house sold, and that was really a test because we got a check for umpteen thousand dollars, and I tithed on it, and I gave it to Brother Don Jackson, and Don Jackson came to me that evening service. He said, Brother Chris, are you sure about this? I said, yes, sir, that's my tithe. I explained about what had happened. There's a stone of giving that this church is built on. There are those that came on before you, and they learned about tithing. And they tithed, and they gave so that this place could be built. This is a, a huge church in, in this location. But people gave so that this church could be built, and that this church could be run and maintained. A stone of giving. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Then there's a stone of Sunday school. I'm sold on Sunday school. That's where you teach the children about the, the Word of God. That's where they hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where they hear they need to be saved. What about a stone of Holiday Bible Club? Do you call it Holiday Bible Club here or do you call it VBS? Holiday Bible Club. That's what we've always called it. But that's a stone that children's lives are built on. It's a stone that you, you train your teachers in because you have to have so many if you break it up like they, they try to get you to do. But you got to have teachers for all those different classes. And it's a good place to start learning because it's just for a week. But then you, you grow from that and you continue to teach. You continue to learn. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And our hope is in our young people, is it not? Because some of us are getting up there. And some of us will, will move on because of age. Some of us will move on because we go to be with the Lord. But it leaves a void. It leaves a, a place for people to work. We've got young people now that can fill some of those voids. But you have to have the young people or the children as well to train them up so that they can follow along one day in working for the Lord. Then there's a stone in the gospel. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. Paul's desire was to go to Rome and to preach the gospel there. And this is what he's writing him, telling him, I'm ready. Paul, wherever he went, he preached the gospel. Wherever, Whether it was a marketplace, whether it was on the road, wherever he went, he preached the gospel. And he told the Romans, I'm ready to preach the gospel. And you don't have to be a preacher to preach the gospel. You just need to know what it is, and you need to share what it is with those that you come in contact with. As I mentioned today, God has placed you where you work, where you go to school, where you live, and there are people there that your pastor will never see, that only you'll see. And maybe God has placed you there to tell them about Jesus. Maybe He has placed you there to win them. A stone of the gospel. Then there's a stone found in the ordinances that we keep. And we keep the ordinances. The Lord Jesus Christ gave us the ordinance of baptism and the Lord's Supper. 
It says in 1 Corinthians 11, 24, it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we partake in the Lord's Supper to remember what Christ did for us. We partake in baptism to be obedient because we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we're to see them baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost according to the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the ordinances that we're given. We're given these ordinances to remember. We're given these ordinances to be obedient. Then there's the stone of the family. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. The children are here. You say, well, they're just coloring. They're just fidgeting. They're just talking. You know what? It's amazing to me when we wrote, when our children were coming up and we had the same problems with our kids, you know, keeping them awake, keeping them listening to what's going on. But guess what? They hear a whole lot more than you think they do. And they learn a whole lot more than you think they do. And there comes a time when they turn from that and they start becoming responsible and they start listening and learning. Amen? Then we see it's a perpetual reminder of commitment made. People committed their hearts and their lives and their souls here at Bethel. The memorials were built so they could remember. The memorials were built so that when their children asked, they could tell them, we have God's Word that helps us to remember all the things, the mighty works that God has done for us. We have this building here, a testimony of what has gone on before us, a testimony of those who gave their lives serving in this place. And I'm sure there's many. There's many who have given their time, their treasures, their talents, to see that this church continued to go on. As Brother Larry said, they saw highs and lows, and when he came here, it was pretty low. There weren't many people attending at all. But look at it today. A testimony of what has happened at Bethel. It stands still today. Annually, you take time to remember, to recognize Bethel Free Baptist Church. And when the Curtises came, and aren't you glad he did, a memorial, a testimony in Ward End. In this community, this place stands. It has been here for so long, it's a part of the furnishings. Amen? And everybody knows where it is, and everybody knows what's happening here. They know the lights come on. They know people file in. They know people file out. And maybe one of them is going to come up to you one day and say, what must I do to be saved? Because they see your testimony here at Bethel. What about a steadfast Faithfulness of those who come here to this church, who tend regularly, who serve regularly, recognizing those who have kept the doors and the ministries going, the doors open, giving glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. And it takes steadfastness. It takes commitment to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is only the beginning. There is so much more available. There are so many more blessings that can be given if we just remain steadfast and serve Him. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We recognize those that have come on before us. We recognize those that gave so much so that this place could continue. Staunch. Still staunch faithful faithfulness of some. Those of you who are here that are remaining faithful, you continue to come week after week after week. 
You continue to serve. You continue to help in the, in the leaflet drops. You continue to help bringing food. All those things are service to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it reflects on your faithfulness to serve Him. And then there's still Bethel. It stands. Been a lot of work done on it, but it still stands. It still shines in this community. It is a bright beacon shining for others to see what Christ has done for you in this church. I read part of this this morning in Matthew chapter number 5. Such a, such a fitting portion of Scripture, such ye are, the, ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You are the lighthouse in this community. You are the hope of the salvation of those who live around you and in Birmingham, wherever they might come from. You are the lighthouse. This church is a lighthouse for them to come and to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. We see a powerful divine reminder that all people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Joshua 4.24 This place is a reminder of what God has done. It is a reminder of what God is doing. And it is a reminder of what God is going to do. A powerful divine reminder. It says in Jeremiah 32.40, it says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. To have a respect for the Lord Jesus Christ and to stick to doing what he has called us to do, to have that commitment, that faithfulness. Next we see a, a memorial of the continued work of the cross. The cross continues to do its work. It continues to draw people to it in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has sent us to preach the gospel in this community, in this place where you minister, in this place where you attend. It says in Romans 10, 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You don't have to be a pastor to preach. You don't have to be a preacher to preach. We just have to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us. He has made it the greatest necessity that people come to know Him as Lord and Savior. If we, if we would just remember what the alternative is if people do not come and know Christ as their Savior. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory for. Necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is me, if I preach not the gospel. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. As Brother Larry said this morning, it's the greatest thing that you could do is to come and trust Him, to believe on Him, to accept Him as your own because He loves you so much and He doesn't want to see you spend an eternity in hell. Amen. Amen.